Welcome back to the Entertainment Goes Pop podcast, where all things entertainment cross over with all things pop culture, meaning all topics are fair game to discuss on here, whether it's TV, movies, music, sports, video gaming, anything pop culture. This week on the podcast, I've got discussion on some streaming services, including the patterns of subscribers. What are they doing with their streaming viewing? Are they watching and binging and then getting out? And what are some of these streaming services doing as far as strategy to try to combat that? We've got some show renewals, some premiere dates for shows. Was Stephen Amell bringing back Arrow? Was that a thing? Carrie Underwood has her release date for her new album. Some NBA discussion and more on this week's podcast. Los Angeles Times had an article up this week talking about the habits of everyone with their streaming services and how long they keep them, how many they have. And there was a lot of good information here and a lot of it that I could relate to. The survey was done by Deloitte, Deloitte, I apologize, I'm probably getting the name of that company wrong that did the survey. Uh, One thing they did... They just surveyed people on their habits, and the survey was done of 1,100 people in October, and they said that 46% of respondents said that they had canceled at least one streaming service in the last six months, and that is up from the 20% that was done in a similar survey back in January that covered the previous year. 62% said they had canceled because they finished the show or movie that they had signed up for. So that tells you that people are jumping around. You know, that people aren't just signing up and staying subscribed. They're basically in this article, they're talking about how easy it is for people to cancel because you sign up for a month and there's no commitment. I mean, you can cancel at any time. You know, you can sign up for a month, watch what you want and bail. And, you know, I'm admittedly one of those people, you know, it's uh, in this day and age, you know, where you can cost cut wherever you are. It's uh, it's hard to stay committed to that. You know, I think there for a while I had CBS All Access and I would, I stayed subscribed to that because there was enough on it because I watch it because of Big Brother. We're going to have this topic again, discussion again here in a second when I get to the next topic of Paramount Plus. <laughs> but I had CBS All Access for a while, just kept it because it was cheap. It didn't cost a whole lot. And then you just kind of notice, hey, you know, we're kind of in the off season of some of these things that I watch and I'm not really watching it. You know, it's, uh, and it's just kind of like, well, I could put this $6 to something else. And, you know, I'm one of these people that, especially right now, you know, and I've even voiced this on the podcast that I'm jumping around right now to where last month I jumped to HBO Max for the Carrie Underwood Christmas special and Wonder Woman 1984. I stayed there for one month and then I'm very big as well about not being on multiple streaming services at once because it's like if I'm going to pay for one, I want to watch and absorb as much content as I can on that one to where I feel like I'm getting my money's worth, you know, to where I get everything I can. 
instead of me having like three or four subscribed to at the same time and I'm just jumping all over the place and just putting all this money to different services but I'm jumping all over not absorbing as much content as I could so December for me was HBO Max month this month of January you know I said after that I was jumping to Disney Plus because all the Mandalorian was up and I was waiting for um, all of those to pop up at the same time to where I could just binge through the whole season and then that's what I did you know I binged through the Mandalorian season two in like four days I think it was four days that I got through that so so for me right now I'm holding on to my Disney plus because I have it all through January and I'm gonna watch you know try to get as much on there that I want to see you know and get it watched and get my money's worth out of that Probably in February, I'm going to jump back to Netflix, I think is my plan, because there's some things I want to see on Netflix that um, yeah, I want to jump over there to watch. But yeah, I mean, I'm definitely one of these people that they're talking about in these surveys to where you're jumping around, you know, and it's, uh, to me, and I'm going to talk about in a second how they're planning on trying to fix this. But to me, if if I've watched everything that I want to watch, there's really no point in keeping it. Unless you just want to, like if you're, I mean, if you're a hardcore Disney fan, you know, there's, you're probably just watching stuff over and over, you know, because, I mean, it's like if you just love Disney stuff, you're going to watch it over and over and over. So how do they plan on fixing this? Well, I mean, you're already seeing it to where, you know, HBO Max is doing the Warner Brothers movie thing to where they're, you know, they've worked out this deal that I've talked about to where they're going to put the movies in the theaters, but they're also going to keep these movies up on HBO Max for a month, you know, of when they get released, they'll stay up there for a month. And HBO Max has a big, long group of movies you know to watch through this year so i mean there's definitely content there that's going to pop up every month to where you're probably going to get a new movie a month i think there was one one month to where it was a little off to where the the weeks kind of separated a little weird to where it wasn't just completely one a month but so i mean hbl max has that plan Netflix has a plan now to where they have unveiled that they're going to do 70 new movies in 2021 with a new movie every week all year. So that is the Netflix strategy on how they're going to keep try to keep people uh, subscribed to where they're not, you know, bouncing in, bouncing out. So that's their plan. Disney Plus has announced, you know, they're stepping up and they're they're planning on doing 100 new titles a year is what their next plan is, what they're wanting to do, you know, and I covered the endless amounts of announcements we had that one day, you know, where they just had a just insane amount of content that they were going to release. So this is definitely the strategy that these streaming services are now doing to try to keep people because they are jumping in and out, you know, because like I said, that's what I do. It's like, uh, 
Netflix, when Fuller House would show up with a new season, it's like, boom, I'm in. The first day it goes up, I'm in. I watch it. I binge it in like two days, I'm out. <laughs> you know? Or I'm not out for, you know, I'm out for the month. I'll stick around and watch whatever else I can for the month. But I'm there for Fuller House, and once that thing's done, I'm done. You know? So that is the big thing on the streaming services, especially when you have so many that that's going to be a hard thing to try because people don't want to have like 50 billion streaming services, you know, because that cuts, that messes up the whole point of people eliminating their cable and satellite. They don't want to pay a lot of money for, for TV, you know, so when you're getting these streaming services, people are going here because they want to get things cheaper. They don't want to pay for that big amount of money. So if you have that many services, you know, it's it's going to add up quick. And there was one part, let's see, here's one part of the survey that they had. Streaming subscribers reported having an average of five services in October, and that is up from three, which was pre-COVID. So before COVID hit, the average of streaming services was three. So clearly in the COVID era, people have jumped up to the amount of streaming services that they're using, you know, because they want, they want content to watch. People are inside, people are away. They want to, you know, they're trying to find things to absorb and watch. So that is jumping it up. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's just something, you know, the streaming service era, it's, it's something that they're learning, you know. I mean, you figure out what's working and what's not working. And, I, you know, this is definitely a thing, you know, because like I said, I'm one of these people. I jump in, I jump out. I don't stay. You know, I watch what I want to watch and I get out. So I think these are good plans for uh, these companies to try to keep people. Because I know for me, especially with the HBO Max schedule, because I looked at a lot of that and I'm thinking, you know, there's probably a lot of those movies that I would like to watch. And it's like, where's your point to where you're like, okay, I'm just going to stay subscribed you know, to this. And that may come for me when we get into the Disney Plus side, because HBO Max, with that price tag, it's just hard to stay there. And I think they're aware of that, that that price tag is, you know, I mean, you know, it's up over all the others. And Disney Plus is just such a well-priced thing. Of course, it's going to go up too. You know, I talked about that. I believe it was next year. I don't remember when it was, but it's going to be going up here soon as well. But Disney Plus is more in that price range to where you could leave it, you know. And then there's a lot of those new titles that I was interested in to where I thought, you know, that's probably the one of the group that I would consider leaving on, you know. Sticking with the streaming service topic, we have the news with Paramount Plus is going to be launching on March 4th. This is CBS All Access to where they are rebranding CBS All Access. Viacom CBS is doing this. 
and they're changing it to Paramount Plus, and it's going to bring in some more content. They have not announced what. They have only said that the rebranding is going to include content from the Viacom CBS brands. That includes BET, MTV, Comedy Central, Nickelodeon, of course, CBS, uh, that will also include the Paramount Pictures Movie Studio. So we're going to have some movies on there. Live news and sports. On-demand films. So, and then this is all going to launch on March 4th. Um, no announcement on a price tag. The, the price tag for CBS All Access was $5.99 a month. And then if you want, and that was uh, the ad-supported tier where you got ads. If you wanted the ad-free, it was $9.99 a month. Um, that's it. They haven't announced anything other than that or what's going to be on there. Um, I was a long-time CBS All Access subscriber. Uh, this was the one for $5.99 I left on my bill. Because, of course, I'm a huge Big Brother fan. Big Brother has not been good lately. But <laughs> but um, you had to get CBS All Access to watch the live feeds. So, of course, every summer I'd get CBS All Access and to watch the live feeds and everything. But once, that, once Big Brother ended in the summer, it would roll into Survivor. And then... Survivor would run, you know, from the fall and then it'd be down for like a month and then it would launch again in the winter and carry on to spring. So it was like between those two shows, you know, I just pretty well stayed and just left my CBS All Access going. And for one, the reason I did that is because I really didn't have a way to record Survivor at the time. So, and then I wouldn't be home on Wednesday nights to watch it. So what I would do is on Wednesday nights, I would just wait for Survivor to pop up on uh, CBS All Access. You know, it would pop up always after it got done airing on the West Coast. And for me, I just finally decided, you know what, it's worth it for me for the $5.99 a month to where, you know, 11 o'clock um, Central Time's where I'm at. 11 o'clock Central Time. Survivor pops up Wednesday night. It's there for me to watch. It's in HD. You know, it's just like, just turn it on and go. You know, just go for it all there. And so I kept that. But as time went along, it was kind of... And then, of course, now Survivor's Survivor's been on a hiatus and everything with all that going on. And then, of course, the pandemic hit. And then I'm at home. And so I'm watching Survivor live now. So there's really, it became a point of where there wasn't any need for me to keep CBS All Access anymore, especially when Big Brother was over. And they did have all the seasons of The Amazing Race up there. And when they first launched, and here within the last year, they just disappeared. And I don't know why. I haven't been able to figure out why they don't, I don't even think they have uh, I think they've got the current season. I think. <laughs> now, they didn't have last season where they did the, the reality uh, Big Brother, Survivor, Amazing Race, All-Star teams. They did not have that. They had pulled that season down. 
And the only thing they had up there was the current season. And I have yet to figure out why they have pulled all of those down. I don't know if they've got a deal with some other streaming service or something to where they've landed all these seasons of the amazing race there but one thing i planned on doing because there were some seasons that i got behind on and i never finished this was probably i don't know 10 years ago or something and what i thought about doing was I, well i'll just keep my cbs all access and i'll go back and watch some of those seasons that i missed out on that i got behind on so i was ready to watch them and then they were gone so I canceled my CBS All Access because I just thought, well, there's no point in keeping this because there's nothing else on there that I'm going to watch. So I jumped out of there. But yeah, for $5.99 a month, I didn't mind leaving it up, you know, with the way that the schedule laid out. So with Paramount Plus, we'll have to see what is on this. And of course, I'm, I will talk about it when in future podcasts when they announce something and tell us what they're going to do here because especially with uh them having different networks available on here because they had a lot of classic shows up there um that you could watch i'm curious to see what movies they have up there i'm curious really to see what the price tag's going to be on that dude yeah i don't know i don't know what we're going to have there if they leave it at 5.99 or if they boost it I don't know. We'll have to see about that. So yeah, Paramount Plus, March 4th, is going to be the rebranding of CBS All Access, and then we'll just have to wait and see what it is. Awesome surprise news from the Grand Ole Opry tonight is on their socials here in just the last few minutes. They have announced that Lady A has been invited to become the latest members of the Grand Ole Opry. Uh, the surprise was done. The video's out there. They've posted, if you want to see it, it is on their socials to where they had Darius Rucker walk out on stage, extend the invitation, which they, of course, accepted and put Hillary Scott into complete tears. <laughs> and while they're also talking like, oh my goodness, you uh, now we you could have done this after we sang. Now we've got to try to sing this song after... Uh, <laughs> After we get this news. So apparently this was done. They have been taping an NBC special. Which is going to be the Grand Ole Opry. 95 years of country music. It is going to air on February 14th. On NBC looks like. And I'm assuming this is going to be a part of the special. I'm, I'm sure this isn't the only thing that we're going to get to see of this. I'm sure that's clearly got to be on the special too. Um, they've got the Grand Ole Opry has a statement here from Hillary Scott that says, this is the best surprise we could ever ask for. I've been coming here since I was a little girl. So to say we are honored is an understatement. We are so truly grateful to officially be a part of this amazing family. Yeah, just, this is, this is overdue. Um, they've been going to the Grand Ole Opry and performing there for at least 10 years because, uh, Actually, the first show that I saw, the first Opry show that I was at in the actual Opry house um, had Lady A on the lineup. They were on that lineup, and they were awesome. I just, I loved them. They were just so fun on that show. Um, that wasn't the first Opry show I'd been to. The first official Opry show that I'd been to was the year before, and it was during the flood time. 
So that was over at the Municipal Auditorium at the time. So this was actually my first show that I'd seen in the actual Opry House. So that made it more special. And they were on the lineup and they put on a great show that night. It was just a strong lineup that night. So this is very awesome news. And, you know, what they say, this is effective immediately. Um, they announced their membership is effective immediately is what it says in this statement. So very cool. I'm hoping, I'm sure they're going to get a uh, induction show at some point, you know. So yeah, this is going to be a, I didn't even know they were recording this special. I didn't know there was going to be an NBC special. So yeah, big news from the Grand Ole Opry tonight. Lady A, your latest inductee. Induction? Inductor? <laughs> what's, the, what's the word? The latest to be inducted into the Grand Ole Opry. I talked recently about Carrie Underwood releasing a gospel album, and now we have a release date on that album. The album is going to be released on March 26th. It is called My Savior is going to be the name of it. Of course, there's two things that a lot of us in the Carrie fandom have wanted. One was a Christmas album. We got that. The other was a gospel album. We're getting that. So that's going to be very cool. This is the statement that Carrie put out on her socials talking about this, saying, For as long as I can remember, I've wanted to record an album of my favorite gospel hymns, and after my gift felt like the perfect time to make it happen. It's called My Savior. And it will be here March 26th, just in time for Easter. There are pre-orders out there to where you can do CD, vinyl. There's pre-order packages going on. You can check those out. There's a video, kind of a behind-the-scenes, where she talks about that's on her socials, too. That is very cool to check out. So, March 26th is the release date for My Savior. One of the strongest female characters in the history of TV turned 40 years old this week, and I'm talking about Buffy Summers, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. The character Buffy Summers hits 40 this week, because we all know we knew Buffy's birthday, and of course that started circulating around online, that it was Buffy's birthday, and of course Sarah Michelle Gellar, had to say something about it. She posted something saying, I just realized that today is Buffy Summers' 40 B-Day. I can't even believe that. She taught that the hardest thing in the world is to live in it. So in her honor, let's all be brave, live. This may not be the way we are used to living our lives, but let's find the beauty so we can all live long and safely. Hashtag happy birthday, Buffy. Hashtag Buffy 40. So that is very cool, 40 for Buffy. And of course, let's not forget, she also saved the world a lot. I talked last week about the disappointment of the Green Arrow and the Canaries spinoff not being picked up by the CW, and then it was squashed. But there was some news about the original Arrow that kind of got thrown out there as Stephen Amell was on the Inside of You podcast with Michael Rosenbaum, which is a great podcast, by the way, if uh, if you've never listened to it. Of course, I'm a Michael Rosenbaum fan with Smallville and everything and does a great job at interviewing people. And 
gets uh, gets in depth, gets inside of you. There's the name of the podcast for you to uh, go with that. But yeah, he had Stephen Amell on, of course, played Arrow, and he talked about that he had thrown the idea around of bringing Arrow back for a season nine, which was pretty incredible news because it was, you know, it was Stephen Amell's decision to uh, to not continue Arrow. You know, it was a really hard decision that he had uh, making that decision. I remember watching the video that he released, you know, when he announced that you know, Arrow wasn't going to be coming back. And, you know, that was a, that was a hard call for him. He really, you know, it was, that was a quite the weight, you know, of a decision that he had on him on uh, making that decision. On this podcast, he talked about that, uh, of course, he's, right now, he's he's been shooting this show called Heels. It's a wrestling show where, uh, He's been involved with that. And if you don't know, Stephen Amell is a wrestling fan. He's been involved with wrestling. He's worked some matches for WWE in the past and has done really well. He does really well in, in the ring and everything. I've been very impressed with his appearances. And it's it's nice, too, when you see him because you know he's a fan. You know he's there because he loves it. He loves being a part of it. While he was shooting heels, said he considered another season of Arrow and said that he called Arrow producer Greg Berlanti back in early July, and said the plan was to go back to Heels in late August, but during the summer was when the surge happened in the United States with the pandemic surge, where the, the numbers went back up again. And he said he had just gotten to Canada and was quarantined, where he had shot Arrow, of course. That's where Arrow was shot, up in Canada. And he was saying, you know, he said if everything went went down to where they couldn't, do anything with shooting any more of these shows, you know, in the States and everything because of the pandemic, he said, uh, he just, he would just like to do another season of Arrow up there in Canada just because he wanted to work. He just wanted to work, you know, and he said, uh, said, if I want to work, let's just bring Arrow back, you know, and he said, Berlani said, uh, are you serious? And he's like, yeah. He said, can we at least put it on the radar? And Berlani's like, yeah, why not? <laughs> you know? And so, you know, Stephen Amell said, you know, this is why you'd never, this is why he says to never say never. He always says never say never. And he talked about, um, you know, when he had heard that Dexter was returning and he actually retweeted that on Twitter where, you know, Dexter was returning and he retweeted it saying, you know, this is why you never say never. And so that was that was very cool news that we were actually very close to an arrow return. Uh that it was the idea was that even being thrown around, you know, because of the pandemic. And like I said, he got injured shooting heels. So I don't know uh so that probably shut down everything you know as far as that goes to where he's having trouble working i guess cuz of the he can't even shoot the other show cuz he's injured so yeah this was uh that would have been quite the the curveball out of nowhere if uh 
you know, all of us are just still sad over Arrow's uh, ending, and then we don't get the we don't get the pickup on the spinoff, and then suddenly it's like, oh, hey, we're back. We're gonna do season nine. Like, what? <laughs> this is amazing. So yeah, that would have been pretty amazing news. But yeah, Stephen Amell was just he was seriously considering it, and you know, I mean, it's out there. So I mean, he's told Berlanti this that. You know, it's something he's interested in doing is another season. So, I mean, it's something that they've got on the radar. So, I mean, you never know. It's like you said, you never say never. I could totally see something uh, moving along in the future. I guess it depends, obviously, what his schedule is with heels and, you know, and the success of that show. But, you know, the reason that he, again, the reason that he brought this up is because basically everything was shut down and he just wanted to work. And that seemed like something simple that they could do in Canada um, because, you know, you have trouble with actors moving back and forth, you know, because of restrictions in different countries and everything. But he's just like, I'm up here in Canada. I want to work. I just want to work let's do another season of Arrow if that's what we're going to, if that's what it takes to work. You know, I just want to work. So we almost got season nine of Arrow. How amazing would that have been if we had gotten blindsided with that news? So that was a cool thing that we learned on that podcast. You can hear Stephen Amell talk about that on the Inside of You podcast that was here, done here recently. Sticking with the Arrowverse, we've got the Superman and Lois premiere that has changed the schedule up a little bit with some of the Arrowverse uh, happenings here. The Superman and Lois premiere for the CW is going to be on February 23rd. It is now going to be a 90-minute premiere. It's going to be followed by a behind-the-scenes special. That will push the Season 7 premiere of The Flash back one week, and it will premiere on March the 2nd. So make your plans to kind of maneuver around that on when you want to see those shows. Speaking of Arrow, we're going to have David Ramsey, you know, with the role of John Diggle. He's going to be popping around on some of these Arrowverse shows here, including Superman and Lois. So very excited to see John Diggle showing back up around these Arrowverse shows. So yeah, if you, uh, if you're looking for those shows, you're looking for those premieres, again, it is going to be Superman Lois season premiere, February 23rd, 90 minute special, behind the scenes special to follow, season seven flash premiere, one week later, March the 2nd. couple things here with some show news. If you're a fan of the original Muppet show that aired in the 70s into the 80s, you're going to be able to stream that on Disney Plus starting February 19th. All five seasons are going to be up there. So if you are a Muppets fan, you have some very cool content coming at you to watch there. On the other side, we have Saved by the Bell finally getting its season two renewal that the show will be back for a season two from peacock streaming service it will be a 10 episode renewal the show has performed very well on peacock uh, deadline had 
news up on it said that the reboot was the most watched viewed original program to date on the service and also it was noted said it was a holiday memo that to the peacock staff it said that three out of every 10 new subscribers to the service chose say by the bell as the first thing to watch so that that is very good for that show that's very impressive that three out of ten new subscribers are coming to watch say by the bell so that tells you that people are signing up and watching signing up to watch that show i'm going to read in this deadline article what uh Writer and executive producer Tracy Wigfield had to say about the pickup. She said, I'm thrilled that Saved by the Bell has been renewed. I've been blown away by all the love for the show and can't wait to go back and make more episodes. Hopefully we stay on Peacock for many more seasons and in 30 years somebody does a reboot of our reboot and invents the three boot. <laughs> I like that. I like that a lot. That's very, very cool. That's a good statement. Lisa Katz, president of scripted content NBC Universal Television and Streaming, had this to say. She said, Saved by the Bell brought a fresh and modern take to the beloved original series that resonated with viewers of all ages. Season 1 tackled topical, relevant issues with wit, harmor, heart, humor, and just the right amount of nostalgia. And we look forward to bringing fans back to Bayside next season. And Aaron Underhill, president of Universal Television, said we are immensely proud of Tracy's innovative reimagining of Saved by the Bell for a new generation. The stories told in season one are both authentic and meaningful and are elevated by outstanding performances from our cast. We are grateful to our partners at Peacock and the fans for their continued support of the series. We can't wait to be back next semester at Bayside High, a place where all are welcome. So, yeah, that was something... We just kind of all kept waiting on, you know, they, it launched at Thanksgiving. We just weren't hearing any news on a renewal. Thought, well, for sure it's coming. It's got to be performing well. And clearly it is. Clearly it is performing well. No word on a time frame or anything with uh, when anything is going to launch. But yeah, there you go. Say by the Bell getting its renewal. Season 2 will be back on Peacock streaming service here in the future. Some thoughts on the week of the NBA. Of course, right now, as I'm recording this, Milwaukee and the Lakers are at halftime as they play their game here on TNT. Uh, Lakers coming off a coming off a bad loss to Golden State earlier in the week, to where uh, Lakers were up twice on Golden State up big uh because I watched and at one point they were down and then they came back and then the Lakers got back up by they were up by at least 10 when I looked at the TV and I just thought well I'm gonna go ahead and take my shower shut down for the night that's just kind of had the game on in the background more than anything and uh Went in the shower, came out of the shower, looked at the TV. The final score was up, and the Warriors won by two or one or whatever it was. <laughs> I was like, what happened? Like, how did that happen? Because it didn't look like that was going to be going on when I got in the shower. So it was kind of funny. So the Warriors came back and won that. Um, I was watching the Dan Patrick show, I guess it was a couple days ago, when Chris Webber was on there. And Dan was asking C-Web about, uh, about Golden State. And he was talking about how 
he just thinks Golden State just has a chip on their shoulder, especially Steph Curry, because everybody's just underrating them now. You know, with Durant gone and Klay Thompson hurt and out for the rest of the season, you know, he just, they think that uh, Chris Webber just thought that uh, Steph Curry is just playing with a major chip on his shoulder, as is that Golden State team, which I see, you know, I mean, it's like Golden State's hanging in there, you know, and they've, they've got Wiseman, the rookie, and uh, so I'm curious to see how he can do. Uh, Brooklyn Nets, they've been kind of up and down. Kyrie Irving is back. They lost a double overtime thriller last night to uh, Cleveland with a uh, with Sexton going for 42 points in that double overtime game. And one thing you get out of Colin Sexton is a lot of points. Like he, he, like you're going to get scoring out of him. And I know this because he's on a fantasy basketball team and I've probably picked him up, I think maybe the last three seasons. And uh, I think I even drafted him this year. I don't know if he was on the waiver wire or not. I don't remember. Anyway, I grabbed him because like anytime you need scoring, if you just need straight up scoring, it's like pick him up because he's going to get you scoring. He's going to get you points. And he's really having a breakout season to where I think people are going to have to really start paying attention to him more because he's really having some big scoring games. Uh, ja Morant back from Memphis. Glad to see him back. Uh, not, not a bad on that uh, injury turnaround. The injury was supposed to keep him out for a while longer. He is back. Uh, Memphis held solid, you know, while he was, while he was down, there was a lot of concern on how Memphis would be able to kind of hang around, you know, with, uh, cause the Western conference is so strong. I mean, you just can't, you just can't lose games in a Western conference cause there's so many games, so many great teams out there and you can't lose those games, but Memphis really held in strong to, uh, hold things down including them having a winning streak before he even came back, you know. So Jaws back, I really think he's probably my favorite uh, player in the NBA right now. He's just really like my style of player, just that explosive guard, you know. So I really enjoy watching him a lot. Uh, When the Bulls were in, when they were in play for that NBA draft, you know, everybody, when it was the Zion and Ja Morant draft, and of course the Bulls landed at seven, I'm like, oh my goodness, because they kept it, because the seven thing was a joke, because it was like every time they get a, like a high draft, they always land at seven, it's the most bizarre thing, but everybody kept talking about Zion, Zion, I'm like, forget it. Y'all can have Zion at one. Give me Jaw at two. <laughs> like, I wanted the Bulls to get Jaw at two is what my plan was. That's what my hope was. It's like, I'd rather have Jaw than Zion. And it almost feels like uh, this is going to be something to kind of look at going forward. If you're an old school nba or you will probably remember when Grant Hill and Jason Kidd came into the NBA at the same time. Uh, both rookies, and the attention was always on the both of them on who was going to be the best rookie out of those two. And that's really what ended up happening last year with Jaw and Zion. Of course, Zion didn't play the whole season because he was injured for part of the season. <clears throat> so it feels like 
that it feels very close to that Grand Hill Jason Kidd thing to where here in the future we're always going to be looking at Zion and Jaw to see and sizing them up against one another, knowing they were one two in the draft, you know, and they came out of that, you know, that they were the tops in that uh, rookie class that year. So that's going to be something fun to watch is uh, the competition between, you know, those two uh, now second year players in the league. Happy, I'm happy with how the Bulls are playing. Billy Donovan has really done great things with his team. The Bulls started really sluggish with, uh, they had just some horrible blowout games to start the season. And since then, I mean, they've lost games, but the thing is, and this is the important part, they're in these games. They're not getting blown out. Uh, Of course, I listened to uh, the Bulls. They used to be the Bulls outsiders on uh, NBC Sports Chicago. Now they've went over to YouTube, and they talked about... uh, they mentioned after one of them, they said, I think we've got a we've got a streak now going of like a streak of games of non twenty point blowout games now. <laughs> it was like, yeah, that's good, that's a good thing, you know. They were laughing about it, but it was true too, you know. It was like, no, that's a positive. It's like there's a streak going now to where the Bulls haven't been blown out by twenty points in several games here, so. Bulls went out west, had a good performance out west. I mean, they lost games, but uh, they were in every one of them. They were in every one of them, and then they came back and beat Portland in Portland. So that was impressive, too. Williams, he's been a really solid pick at number number four. I've really liked him a lot. I've been very happy with him. So, yeah, Billy Donovan's doing great things. Zach Levine's just playing crazy basketball, too. He's putting up some big numbers. Donovan's really getting a lot out of this team and just doing great coaching and pulling this team together and getting the best out of them to where they just they look like a team again as opposed to last year where they just look like a disaster, you know, under Boylan. It was just, oh, it was terrible. It was just painful to watch. Last year, that was one of the most miserable, I think, bowl seasons that I've ever watched. And it was just, oh, it was painful. It was brutal. So I'm thrilled with the work that Billy Donovan is putting in here. Uh, I'm assuming they're they're going to eventually make some moves. You know, I, I, there's just no way I see that they don't. You know, I've, and... Uh, I'm just really happy with this new front office, you know, to where with uh, John Paxson and Gar Foreman, it had just turned into like just such a disaster where nothing was working. You just, it was like there just wasn't any trust there among the fans. Of course, you had the moment back All-Star Weekend last year to where the Fire Gar Pax chants broke out on ESPN on one of those shows. And of course, everybody that, because, you know, the Bulls haven't been, I mean, they're, nobody watches them. And that was the first sign, like, to the mainstream, to where people are like, what is going on there? They're chanting fire gar packs? What, what's that about? And that was really the first thing to where it got pushed into the mainstream NBA, to where people were seeing the disaster that was that was the Chicago Bulls right now 
at that time and that the backlash was strong in Chicago of fix this and fix this now because this is just inexcusable at this point and it needs to be fixed. And there were rumblings going around at All-Star Weekend that there was going to be changes upcoming in the front office to where all of us just breathed a sigh of relief of like, okay, well, let's just see. And sure enough, it did. I mean, they they cleaned house, so they brought it in. I'm real happy with this front office. And it's just a very different feeling now to where when they make changes and when they, like with the draft, uh, who they sign in free agency, it's like what they're doing, this new front office, I have just faith in it, you know, to where it's just like, okay, well, if that's what you feel like you need to do, go for it. You know, I trust your, I trust your decision making, you know, and the track work, track record speaks for itself with this front office. You know, they've, they've had success and I'm looking forward to see what they're going to do here in Chicago. And it's just nice to have a front office now to where it's new, it's fresh, and you just, you trust in it. It's like I said the other day, you know, of course you have the trust, the process thing in Philadelphia, but that's what I keep saying now. It's like, just, just trust in this, trust in what they're going to do. You know, I just have faith in this front office that they're, they're making right decisions and that they have, there's a reason for everything that they're doing and that they're, you know, they've got a plan. They, they want to get this back on course and they're going to get it back on course so, yeah, and Billy Donovan was a great hire. You know, he was an absolute great hire, just out of nowhere. All of a sudden, he was gone out of Oklahoma City, and all of a sudden, it's like, oh, he's signed with the Bulls out of nowhere, because that rumbling was nowhere. That There was no talk of that happening. All of a sudden, it was just like the Bulls have announced they've signed Billy Donovan as head coach. It's like, what? <laughs> And I was super pumped because, you know, now we've just got a great coach in here and he's already doing great work that's with a team that, you know, is, was admittedly like undermanned, you know, to where just last year, you know, it just looked like that they just were undermanned against everybody. And of course, the coaching wasn't good. <laughs> coaching was bad. But Billy Donovan is just, he's getting something out of everybody, you know, and it's awesome. He's really doing great work. I'm just really excited. And they just look like a team and they just, just look positive, you know, like we're on the right path here. So yeah, this is gonna be a good thing. Speaking of the Bulls, one thing I'm going to do here in the near future, and this is something I've been wanting to do, I am going to review and recap the Last Dance, the Bulls documentary that came out last year in 2020 on uh, ESPN that we thankfully got early <laughs> due to the pandemic. They heard they heard our cries that we wanted we wanted some good content, some good basketball content, and they gave it to us. They gave us the Last Dance early, and you know, of course, I didn't have the podcast then, and then. As I was watching that, I was just begging for somewhere to talk about this. You know, I was like, I want to talk about this. I'm so excited and I want to give my thoughts and my memories on it. You know, so one thing I'm going to do, I've got the Blu-ray because there's a Blu-ray set of The Last Dance now that they have released and I've got it. And I'm going to, in the future, I'm going to recap the episodes and I'm just going to share you know, my thoughts on each episode. I'm going to go, I think I'm going to go in pairs like they did 
uh, as they aired, where they did like episodes one and two, then three and four. I think I'm going to do it in that pattern, just like they originally aired. And I'm just going to share my thoughts and my memories, you know, and things that were left out, you know, because it's like anytime that team was on, I was in front of the TV, you know, and I have so many great memories of uh, watching that team play. And that's what I want to do, just uh, watch it, recap it, and just share some of my memories just as a hardcore fan, you know, at the time. And kind of fill in some gaps of some things that were left out of The Last Dance and just kind of give some thoughts on it too. So that's something I'm going to be doing in the near future. Going to be recapping and reviewing and giving my thoughts on The Last Dance. That does it for this week's podcast. Take care, God bless, and thank you as always for listening.